Hi, everyone. Dr. B here. Thank you so much again for joining me for another episode of Ask the Dentist. Today, we've got a great question from Columbia, from Stephen. I think you'll find it interesting. I did. And it was something that I tried to get my patients to do, uh, especially my pediatric patients, the children in the practice. But we'll, we'll get into that in a moment. So at the beginning of most of these episodes, I try and define in a sentence or two what I'm about, why this podcast exists, what I'm trying to accomplish. Many of you know that it's about functional dentistry and the approach that that affords us as patients and as providers and, and how it really helps both ends of the equation greatly. But what I thought I would start doing is defining functional dentistry, not at the beginning of each episode, but on some of these podcasts, I would start reading to you how, how other functional dentists define functional dentistry. And this will, I think, give you an idea of how it's growing and it will give you a little bit more a kind of a broader view of how we are defining ourselves as functional dentists. And, and when we do become an approved specialty or subspecialty of dentistry, we'll all have a clear idea of where we're going. And so anyway, I'm going to read to you, Dr. Again, this is the first time I've done it. And the most obvious choice for me was to reach out to Al Dannenberg. And he wrote this. Al Dannenberg's a friend and colleague of mine. He's a periodontist out on the East Coast. He's got a great website and uh, newsletter that I would recommend you follow. I'm going to link to that, of course, in the show notes. He is a periodontist, retired. He has a wonderful story. I've interviewed him several times. I also have a YouTube interview of him. I will link that as well in the show notes. He's a fascinating guy and he gets it. He took the training, the primal training offered by Mark Sisson. Again, you've heard me say wonderful things about Mark Sisson as well in a previous episode about how I gave up, how I was able to kick the sugar habit. And Al Dannenberg is, specializes, of course, in periodontal therapy. Again, he's retired, but you can talk to him as a coach if you want. There's a link on his website about that. But he also specializes in the linking or the connection between gut health and oral health. And that is a big aspect of functional dentistry. Let me read to you his definition of what he thinks functional dentistry is. I really like it. Functional dentists go much deeper in thought and examination. They still fix the damage done. He's talking about cavities and root canals and crowns. But they also investigate eating habits, lifestyle habits, breathing habits. Functional dentists look for airway obstruction, toxic substance exposure, and many other factors that contribute to the breakdown of the teeth, the jawbone, the soft tissues of the mouth and the gut, and the overall immune system. Functional dentists see the body as an integrated human machine where everything affecting one part of the body will affect all the other parts eventually. That says it in a nutshell. Thank you, Al. And that's all I'm going to say at this point. But I will do this on occasion. Again, we have a list, uh, which I will give you the URL for. I always mention at the end of each podcast, we have a list which is growing of functional dentists, and they all basically are practicing this way. And I think it would really, I think it would improve your oral health, not to mention your overall health, if you do seek out functional dentistry as opposed to conventional dentistry. And again, that's what this podcast is all about. So enough of that. Let's get to Stephen's question. Again, from Columbia. It's a really good question. I'm looking forward to answering it. Hi, Dr. Berhana. I'm staying in Columbia right now and have noticed that many people here take dental hygiene quite seriously. 
In particular, brushing one's teeth in the afternoon after lunch is common here and inspired me to start doing it myself. Assuming that we wait at least 30 minutes after a meal, use a soft toothbrush head, and apply the correct amount of pressure, could brushing the teeth three or four times a day create an inherent risk of damaging the gums or the enamel that potentially outweighs the benefit of cleaning the teeth? Is there any data addressing this topic? What would you personally recommend to people who are currently brushing and or flossing in the afternoon? Thank you. Stephen, great question. You know, when I heard Colombia, I right away thought back to my travels to Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, and I was very impressed by dental care in Colombia and Ecuador. And it's funny, in European countries, as well as South American countries, there's some European influence, of course, in the South American countries, the stores and different professions tend to tend to be clustered in one area of town. And and there was no exception when it came to dental practices. There was like the dental section of towns in Colombia and Ecuador. So my wife and I would cruise through these. We would walk into the dental practices and and we were always met with open arms and great interest and handshakes and want to hear more about dentistry in the US. And and we were got tours of these dental practices even dental warehouses, uh, a lot of great dental equipment comes out of Brazil and Terriels. There's a lot of great research coming out of South America. So dentistry is alive and well in Colombia. I can tell you that right now, even parts of South America. And the good news is that it's very available. I think Colombia has a healthcare for everyone. I think it's a socialized system. And I looked it up just to make sure I had the right idea about Colombian healthcare. And yeah, I mean, the World Health Organization ranks it at 22nd out of almost 200 healthcare systems in terms of overall efficiency. And again, that may not be the only criteria that we would judge a healthcare system on, but for comparison's sake, the United States was 37th on that scale. Canada, great example of socialized healthcare. I'm not a big fan of Canadian healthcare. I mean, it's it has its advantages, but I lived up there, went to school at University of British Columbia for four years, and I have a lot of friends and family up there that are healthcare providers, physicians. They would give me an earful on the Canadian system, but they're ranked, what are they ranked? They are ranked 30th on that scale. So, Columbia is doing well, at least on this scale. So, by this criteria. So, I'm not surprised that you are impressed and that people are brushing their teeth after lunch in Colombia. I know the middle class there is quite sophisticated. They work hard. They dress well. You know, they're working out. They are, they're concerned and very openly, very active in promoting a very healthy lifestyle. And that also means looking good and having a nice smile, let's face it. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's all very, very positive. So, Columbia has a very sophisticated healthcare system. Kudos to them for it. It seems to be working for them. And dentistry there is great. So, to answer your question, I think I would reword the question. Brushing three times a day is fine. They say if you brush twice a day, your chances of Alzheimer's is decreased dramatically. We have studies showing that flossing and brushing decrease inflammation in the mouth. If you decrease inflammation in the mouth, which can act as a seed for inflammation throughout the body, a lot of oral bacteria are found in 
other systemic and chronic diseases, uh, this can certainly help. So I'm okay with brushing three, four, five times a day. It's really about two factors. It's about how you brush, what kind of toothbrush you're using, uh, that whole equation, how abrasive your toothpaste is. That's one aspect of it. And the other aspect of it is, is when you brush. And brushing after a meal is potentially not a good thing to do. So that's how I would redirect your question. It's not about when you brush, it's about how, it's not about which meal you brush after, it's about how far after the meal you brush and what you're using to brush. These are the criteria. So I'll expand on that a little bit so you get more detail. But it's a great question because it allows me to kind of bring all this up, differentiate how oral hygiene can be injurious to us and how it can be beneficial to us. So, Stephen, to answer your question directly, I'm against brushing after lunch at work. Love the concept, and I'm not saying it's bad to brush three times a day, which is what you're really asking about. I think it's fine to brush three, four times a day. The two times a day that we recommend is a minimum. So, what I'm really concerned about is when we brush, especially in relationship to the timing of our meal. So, when we eat, even if we eat pure protein, although it's at the very bottom of the scale in terms of harm done, I eat a lot of meat sticks that are made by a local butcher, no nitrates, a lot of organ meats are put in there. They're very tasty. They're not smoked. They're just dried, line dried like they do in Europe. And when I eat those in the morning or at lunch, there really is no acid attack. There's really nothing for the, the bacteria in your mouth to consume. If I had saltine crackers or some goldfish, with my meat sticks, then of course, these bacteria would start excreting a byproduct of their metabolism of having eaten or consumed the goldfish, the, the ground up processed flour. And that excrement, it is their excrement of having metabolized something, and it occurs within 20 minutes, is very acidic. And that's what starts the cavity process, the demineralization of tooth surface. And so really it's what we eat. So if you did have a snack at work and being at work these days, a lot of uh, companies now are supplying snacks, whether they're healthy or not. I would argue that most of these snacks, just by the definition of it being a snack, they are unhealthy when it comes to oral health. There will be an acid attack. Unless you're having, you know, steamed or grilled fish with some vegetables for lunch, I would not brush after lunch. If you're having oatmeal in the morning, I would not brush after breakfast. If you're having some bread or some crackers with wine for dinner with your meal, even if you're having a paleo meal, I would be very careful because the motion and the action of brushing while the pH in your mouth is low, below 7 Acid attacks in the mouth can reach 3.5, even lower sometimes. It depends on what you're drinking. Of course, sodas will lower the pH in your mouth dramatically. Even coffee. I, I mentioned wine earlier. These are all things that will – what it does is it affects the tooth surface in such a way that there's a little bit of that calcium layer, that tooth structure on the very – topical surface of the tooth has been weakened and it's been made to be a little bit soft. And when you brush your teeth with a nylon brush and an abrasive toothpaste, and again, we've been brainwashed to do this after a meal you brush, well, you are brushing away a layer of your tooth. So if you're in Columbia, tell everyone, say hi to them for me, by the way, 
Tell them to brush an hour after lunch, an hour after breakfast, or they can brush before lunch, right before lunch. Or they could use a hydroxyapatite lozenge or a mint. They can chew on some gum. They can rinse with water. They can drink mineral water for that hour after lunch when they're back at their cubicle or their office. Uh, pour yourself some cold, neutral pH mineral water, which is plentiful, especially in these European countries. This is a very common habit, and it really, or countries that are, have European ancestry and influence, this is something that is done way more often than here in the U.S. We don't tend to drink water as much. We're drinking a beverage that's been manufactured and has corn fructose syrup in it. And we don't like our tap water and we don't drink bubbly water that comes from a spring. That is something that we need to do more of and for a variety of reasons. But one is that it, it counters that pH, that lowering of the pH. When pH lowers, by the way, when it gets below seven, you're reaching into that acidic part of the scale. Anything over seven, seven being neutral, saliva, the pH of saliva being about 7.2, slightly alkaline, but essentially neutral. Then you get into the alkaline parts of the scale and teeth do not demineralize in an alkaline state or even in a neutral state or at a neutral pH. They start demineralizing, dissolving. Think about that experiment that we've all heard about, or if we're old enough, we did in eighth grade or sixth grade, we put a tooth into Coca-Cola and came back the next day and the tooth had dissolved. It had been eaten away. And that's what happens when you put organic material into an acidic solution. So to answer your question, Stephen, three, four times a day, at least two times a day, it's all great. Don't brush right after lunch. Don't brush right after dinner. Be very careful because you could literally be brushing away some of your tooth structure, which leads to sensitive teeth. And be careful. Make sure that you're replacing your toothbrush often. I would say every four to six weeks for a manual toothbrush. That's a small price to pay for not having wear on your teeth. And also preventing gum recession. It's very difficult to to fix gum recession. Once your gums have receded, it's very difficult to fix in dentistry. And that just leads to more sensitivity because the gums actually insulate and help prevent your teeth from being sensitive. So if you're brushing improperly, if you're using that sawing motion back and forth with a very worn toothbrush or a cheap toothbrush that doesn't end round the nylon bristles properly, and you're using a whitening toothpaste, for example, with a very high RDA, that's the relative dentinal abrasivity index, I would stick with at least below 50. I prefer below 35. Most main brand toothpaste are easily over 50. Some reach up into the uh, up to 300. And it's amazing what the American Dental Association approves. I think their limit is 250. Actually, it's 300. And the FDA is the one that has the lower threshold of 250. But anyway, a lot of these oral healthcare products can be very damaging to your teeth. That's another irony that probably only a functional dentist would point out to you. So be very careful. But the essential answer to your question is, don't brush right after lunch. It's not that I'm against brushing three or four times a day. If done properly, there is no downside to that. But don't brush after a meal. It's that simple. I probably could have said that in the very beginning of the episode, but it was fun chatting and giving you a little bit of background, including that on functional dentistry. So thanks again for joining me for another episode of Ask the Dentist. Great question. Thank you, Stephen. 
As I said before, we're going to keep giving you different definitions of functional dentistry in the words of other functional providers. Uh, if you are a functional provider and you're listening, I know there are many of you that are, send me your, your definition of functional dentistry, what you're trying to accomplish in your practice. Uh, I would love to see it. I, I will keep a little database. And we're really reaching a tipping point here when it comes to functional dentistry. As I said before, uh, functional medicine is an approved specialty in medicine, functional dentistry really isn't officially, I wouldn't say approved, not that it's disapproved. It's just not recognized yet. But there is a tipping point coming. I'm seeing a big surge in the interest of and practice in functional uh, in functional dentistry. And this just benefits all of us. It benefits us as providers. We can do a better job. We can feel better when we go home, when we go to sleep at night. And also, it really benefits the client, the patient. And that's really what healthcare is all about. What gets you to a better stage of health as at the sooner the better and keeps you there by recognizing root causes and which is really the best way to be preventative in terms of your orientation when it comes to healthcare and dentistry when i was in dental school 35 years ago 36 years ago they kept bragging about how preventively minded dentistry was even better than medicine and to some degree that was true but it really missed the boat when you compare it to functional medicine so so anyway, I appreciate you being part of this discussion and seeking out functional care and learning more about it. If you are looking for a functional provider, please go to our directory. As I mentioned, I think earlier in this episode, go to askthedentist.com slash directory. That list is growing. I'm in touch with functional dentists almost daily, talking with them. This is a very exciting field for subfield of dentistry. And I think it's going to save dentistry. Uh, dentistry is kind of heading where medicine did 20 years ago, kind of that HMO, PPO, managed care, DSO kind of aspect of health of dental care. And that's where you're just a number. And really, it's just you're a source of profit. And that's not where functional dentistry is going. So I definitely recommend you seek out a functional provider. If you have any questions about functional dentistry in general or anything, when it comes to oral health, go to our website. That's been up for at least 10 years now. Lots of blog posts on everything I'm talking about. Go to askthedentist.com. Seek us out on Instagram. I think we've just hit 100 followers. I am just amazed and so thankful for all of you for your support in what I'm trying to do. And I'm going to talk more about Instagram. We're going to th kind of throw a big Instagram party and we're, we've got a lot of giveaways coming and, and celebrate that moment. It's very exciting. I'm personally very touched and very moved that there's this amount of interest. And, and it's not just patients, it's also providers. So, and then if you have a question on this podcast, it doesn't have to be about functional dentistry, just please ask away, uh, try and answer each and every one. And if you're question can't be answered via podcast. Sometimes I'll even get back to you directly. Go to speakpipe.com slash ask the dentist. So again, thank you so much for joining us. Great question, Stephen. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. I like hearing from different parts of the globe and oral habits and how things are being approached in different countries. Uh, it allows us to learn a lot. Dentistry in the U.S. isn't everything. And again, most practitioners in the U.S. are led to believe that we're the best dentists in the world and that our way is the best way. And uh, it's not always the case. So anyway, again, thank you so much for listening. Appreciate your listenership and also your support. We'll see you in the next episode. Stay safe. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. 
Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a dentist, doctor, or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for help in your journey, seek out a qualified medical practitioner. If you're looking for a functional dental care provider, you can visit askthedentist.com directory and search or find a dentist database. It's important that you have someone in your corner who's trained, is a licensed healthcare practitioner, and can help you make changes, especially when it comes to your health.